Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. You know, there's all these books about how to be an entrepreneur, how to sell, how to negotiate, how to come up with great ideas. But a lot of that is BS. It's like after someone's been an entrepreneur and they created some business with zero revenues and then they sell it for a billion or $2 and then they get to write a book or give a TED talk on here's how I was successful as an entrepreneur. This is just a lot of garbage. And I wanted to do a podcast about not what mistakes entrepreneurs make, but all the mistakes I made in the two and a half decades or three decades that I've been an entrepreneur. And I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say whether I should have or should not have made these mistakes. I'm just going to say what I did analyze why I think they were a mistake. And there's no BS. You could decide whether you, you could decide whether these were mistakes or not. I'm looking back and I view these as mistakes and hopefully you can avoid them on your own path to entrepreneurship. So back in the nineties, I started an agency. I was making websites for clients. So for instance, a company would come to me and say, Hey, can you build this website for us for $20,000? And I would build the website. Now, here's mistake number one. I did not understand the difference between a service and a product. So what does that mean? Well, when you have a service business, you, you people hire you to do something, you do it, you get paid, and you make a little bit of a profit on it. So I would make a website. I would maybe spend $5,000 making that website with employee costs, and then I would charge $20,000 or some something like that. Here's an example of something I did one time. So we're, we were making AmericanExpress.com, which was a huge, huge website. American Express had no website at the time. I was making that website. And I wrote this software to, it, it, this, this website was going to be like 60,000 pages. So I wrote this software to help create all the pages. And not only that, I set it up so that on every page, employees at American Express and all the different departments that the website was for, employees would be able to keep track of or make note of mistakes or suggestions on the website. And then I, the creator of the website, would get all the suggestions and see which page they were referring to and so on. So it was this kind of um, 
tool for generating pages and also uh, a tool for keeping track of everyone's comments. So it was like a web development tool, almost like a sort of word WordPress, like a like a corporate WordPress five or six years before WordPress was even created. But I didn't want American Express to know that a lot of the pages were being generated by the software because I was afraid they would think how easy it was to make the website. So here I made this incredibly valuable web development tool for collaborating and sending suggestions to all the people in all the different departments. And I did. I was afraid to mention it to anybody because I didn't want them to know that I was making this tool to make building the website easier. Meanwhile, a tool like that could have been worth a hundred million dollars or a billion dollars. Who knows? I could have, that could have been the entire business was building tools for making websites instead of actually building websites myself. So it's always important to remember that software and products are more valuable than services. Services you can't scale, products you can scale. Services require me to do all the work. Products you could make money while you sleep. They just buy the tool and that's it. So that was a big mistake. I had a profitable business instead of a business where I was raising money and banking on how great this product would be in the future. Anyway, that was a mistake. It's okay to make a service business, but the goal of building a service business should be to figure out what products, how you could productize the services as easily as possible because that's where the real value is. All right, next mistake. I'm going to call this the 100-day rule, but I'm calling it that because my friend Joey Coleman wrote a book about this. But basically, I was super bad at follow-up. I was always good at sales. Like I was a big believer and still am that people need websites, that companies need websites. Believe it or not, many companies still don't focus on building out their web presence or social media presence or whatever. But I was always bad at following up. I was so bad. For instance, one time I pitched JP Morgan. JP Morgan didn't have a website. So I pitched jpmorgan.com. They loved it. They got in touch with me. They sent me emails. They made calls. I was just horrible at follow-up and I would ignore it. And I just never got that client. So that's really bad. I'm not going to talk about that, but What's almost as bad as if you get a new client, you have to be able to keep a new client. There's a saying, the best new clients are your old clients. So you should have you should have a good relationship with your new clients so that you could build more and more services that you could charge for. So there's a rule, the 100-day rule of client interaction. Every single day with every new client, I should have called them and just said, hey, how's it going? Or hey, is there anything I could help you with? No matter what, I should have done that every single day. If you follow the 100-day rule of client interaction, you have a client for life. So I messed up on that not only with my agency business, but with my hedge fund business. I should always have kept in touch. I lost hedge fund investors because I didn't keep in touch enough. Like they would call me and I would I would not call them back and they would pull their money out because they needed to know where their money was. And I respect that. So I was always really bad at following up in almost every single business I've been involved in. So always remember the 100-day rule of client interaction. Don't think that you could just ride on sales and everything's going to be okay. They don't care about that. People 
deep down, everybody wants a friend. They don't want a website. They don't want a hedge fund manager. They want someone you could talk to. That's the importance of the 100-day rule of client. I, I had a client once that was so annoying. Like He would call me up in the middle of the night and be, be literally crying because he couldn't figure out uh, if he should take this job or another job. And, you know, sometimes I went into overdrive with some clients, whereas other clients I would ignore. Okay. Next one. Very critical. This is the key for, for why I would constantly go broke. I went broke. Let's see. I went broke in 2000 through 2003. I went broke in 2004. I went broke in 2008. I went broke in 2012. I went broke all of the time. And here's the key. This is really important. Being an entrepreneur is not about taking risks. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur now. I'm, I'm going to take risks, quit my job, uh, go for the gold, whatever. And it's not about taking risks. You could have a great idea and you will, you will miss out because you did not carefully model risks. So for instance, you know, this is an example. One time I was on the board of a company and I remember I got the financials and it looked to me like they were going to run out of money in six months. And so I called up the CEO and I said, you, you, you're, it's not like you're out of money in six months. You're broke right now. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you can't raise money in the next six months. Everyone's going to see that you're totally broke and you're not going to be able to raise money. It's, it's over. Your business is over. So I had to get involved. I had to get board members involved. I had to figure out how they were going to sell the company, the whole thing. And the CEO was mad at me every single step of the way, because I kept insisting, we're going to have to sell the business before you run out of time. The day before, six months later, the day before he was going to run out of money for uh, uh, paychecks, we found a buyer. He sold the company. He made $12 million. And so, and I don't think he's ever made that before. And that's what happens when you don't model risk, you could lose everything. So I used to make these huge investments where it would be 20% of my net worth because I would always calculate on the upside, how much money I can make without calculating on the downside, without calculating risk. So I always now, everything I do, you could have a ton of ideas, but you'll get none of them finished if you don't model risk. If you don't validate an idea, which is another topic, but you have to make sure, you know, one way to validate an idea is I started lots of businesses that would fail because I didn't really know how to, you know, what was needed, what products were needed. But like, for instance, let's say I was right making podcasting software. I would know what, pro what, how to validate the idea because I know what's needed for a podcast. So that's one way to calculate risk is if I is if I know that I can use this, that's one way for me to validate the idea. Another way for investing is if someone invests alongside of me, like let's say there was one company I invested in where uh, Peter Thiel, uh, who was the founder of PayPal, first investor of Facebook, founder of Palantir, he was involved in this investment. I got lucky to be involved in it. And I didn't have to validate the idea because I figured he's smarter than me. So that's one way to, to validate the, the risk and model the risk. Another thing is, you know, I had no way to um, 
measure, like with all my investing, like if right now, if I'm investing in stocks, I, or investing even in private companies, I won't invest more than 1% of my net worth because that's how I model risk. If, if it turns out the investment's great, then I'll make a lot of money. But if the investment's no good, all I did was lose 1% of my net worth and that's a way to model risk. Another way to model risk is, you know, like I was said before, products versus services. So you, you have more choices for uh, making revenues and scaling if you if you don't risk losing service clients. Just always make sure, like I like one business I started, Stock Picker, I got rid of a lot of risk because I found a partner, thestreet.com, which the deal I made, they didn't give me any money, but they I gave them 50% of the company and in exchange, they allowed me to put links to my website on every single page of their website. So I got rid of risk because that's how I was able to get traffic for my website is to make this deal. So even though it took me 50, cost me 50% of the company, I got rid of the risk of how do you get distribution? So that's a huge, huge risk. Uh, you know, another risk I've made is I don't know. I, I I started a newsletter business, but I had an email list first. I built an email list for years before I even made one dime of income because I knew that with an email list, I could sell newsletters. And that's a way to start this business because it was another way for me to reduce risk. So, and also I would say the best businesses I've ever been involved with were businesses where I didn't have to raise money. When you raise money, you have to cave in to the investors before you even really start the business. So I'm, I'm always making sure that I'm the boss at first, that I'm not dependent on raising money. I'm not dependent on investors so fast because that's another way of risk is if I could start the business with customers first uh, without as much risk, then that saves risk. I, I'm not, let's say I make a product and there's no customers. Well, then that business is not working. I don't need to risk having investors. So anyway, more. One time I started a business and I got an offer. This is in the mid OOs. I got an offer and I like the offer. So I was able to, to get the deal. But when I've got the final deal, I realized they want a six-year employment agreement. And if I didn't, if I didn't stay for the six years, then I would have to make all the money uh, for the whole deal. So instead of, uh, I would have to lose all the money for the deal, even six years later. And, and, and the problem was, is that there was no, I realized there was no value in the business other than me, even though the business was doing well and it was making profits, the bank that was buying my business didn't buy it for the business. They bought, bought it for me and the, uh, the deal would, I would have to give back the deal unless I stayed uh, in a job for six years. It's like almost like, almost like in prison or something. So what, what I mean is you can't have value other than yourself. You have to have a product. You have to, have, the business should live without you existing. Like right now, Jeff Bezos on Amazon, Amazon will, just like Steve Jobs, Amazon will probably, let's say Amazon 
quit tomorrow, his he would probably would lose uh, some market share. He would probably lose stock a little bit because everybody's so dependent on Jeff Bezos. But the reality is, just like Apple, is that the business will survive without Jeff Bezos or without Steve Jobs. But in my case, in that in that one instance, my I had no value in the business other than myself. So you have to create value outside of yourself, no matter what. You know, you have to figure out ways through clients being you know not dependent on you, with contracts not being dependent on you, with good experts that people could rely on without you as the owner. So you have to always create value outside of yourself. Now, this is a, a, a tricky issue, but diversification. Now, everybody talks about focus, like, oh, you should be focused in your business. And you know that's the way to build a business is, is keep focus, keep focus. First off, nobody really is focused. Like Jeff Bezos, Amazon, first example they, they, they he wanted to do was make a, a, a bookstore. But if all he did was an online bookstore, he'd probably be out of business right now. Then he started making clothes. Then he started making like diapers. Then he started making uh, food. And then he started, he got, he got creative where uh, he, he, he got it meta. So he started creating the infrastructure like the cloud, so like Amazon Web Services, so people can use it to use his infrastructure instead of just buy items. And then he created, oh, let's make a Kindle. So it's a device. Let's say, let's make uh, videos like Amazon Prime so you can sell it on TV. So now he has, he even is making a rocket ship company so he can sell bandwidth in countries like Africa and so on. So he's diversified a huge amount. He even sells Whole Foods, grocery stores. So he's diversified in so many different ways. That's how you diversify. Uh, Richard Branson, he doesn't just sell a magazine. He doesn't sell just a store. He doesn't sell just an airline. He sells 300 different businesses under the Virgin brand name. So diversification is not just about oh, I'm going to invest in oil stocks and tech stocks. If you start a business, if you're an entrepreneur, you need for at least four or you might not have it day one, but eventually you need to diversify between products and services. You need to diversify across many products. You need to meta your services, meaning if you sell, let's say you sell a bunch of uh, online courses. Well, maybe also it's good to sell some software for making online courses easy. So now you have a product as one item and products as another. So diversification, and even for stocks, it's not good enough to just own oil stocks and tech stocks and say, that's all I need for diversification. You need to diversify strategies. So maybe you sell some stocks and you maybe you sell some day trading strategies. Maybe you sell some bonds. Uh, so there's lots of investing strategies you can use to diversify, but diversification is needed to help reduce risk. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And 
I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldicher, would you like to apply to be... VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like, I'd rather do anything then go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access 
to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use him from now Not on. that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Next, you know, this is kind of important. And I remember I talked to a long time ago, I talked to Mark Cuban about this and I said, you must've had some passion for what you're doing in order to create so much success. And he said, no, no, he just, I just wanted to make a ton of money and I get it. I respect that, but I don't think it's true. You know, if you look at his company broadcast.com, it was originally called, um, I forgot what it was called, Real Audio or something like that. Anyway, it ended up being called Broadcast.com. Why did he start it? Well, he lived in Texas and he wanted to watch basketball games that were playing in Ohio. So he created technology, basically Broadcast.com, so that he could create you know, games, basketball games through audio or video. And that was his business. He wanted to solve a problem. He had a passion about basketball. He wanted to watch games that were not available on television. And so by doing something he was passionate about, he was able to create a great job because he didn't want to have a bad uh, audio experience. He wanted a good one so he could watch basketball games. And that's how he created the product. And it turned out to be good for many things. And that's how he created broadcast.com, which he sold for billions and made a ton of money. I think the, like I've written... I've done a lot of different businesses and the only things that have ever made money was when I actually passionately loved the the business idea. So I love in the early nineties, there weren't that many people who knew how to make a website. I loved making websites. I learned how to make websites almost from the beginning of the internet. I had no, I had no business though. I didn't know anything about business. So all I knew was how to make websites. I wished I had made more products back then, but I did have passion that everybody was going to make websites and I loved making them. That's why I would even do stuff just for the fun of it. Like I was doing this website for HBO where I didn't have to do it, but I, I loved doing it. I used to make this website called 3am where I would interview people at three in the morning. I probably interviewed so many prostitutes, drug dealers, pimps, you know, Johns. I remember one time I, um, there was this bus 
that would go back and forth between Queens and Rikers Island so that they could, at three in the morning, they could, if anybody was bailed out, they could leave the jail at three in the morning. And I would go to these, the worst places in the city and, and interview everyone like, like in this case, the pimps or the, or people going to the bus or people getting out of the jails. And I did this for, for years and years because I love doing it. And it helped me basically be really creative about the kind of websites I was making. Every time I've ever started a business where my goal was just making money, it all failed. Like if I bought, you know, I always wanted to make like a, a dating website because I thought those were great ideas, but I really didn't know anything about it. So I never was able to make that good. Instead, when I made a website that was a financial social media website, that worked because I knew what I wanted. And for instance, right now I'm working so on software in the podcasting space and I know what I'm doing because that's an area I have passion about. So passion really is important. Uh, it might be passion for how business models work. You might have a passion about investing. You could have a passion about software. You could have a passion about helping people have a better experience uh, with their social media, but you do need to have software. So you're willing to put in the hours and you know figure out all the nuances that all your competitors are trying to do. They don't have the passion. That means you're going to do a better job. Uh, let's see what else, what else? Cause I, you know, there's a lot of things and most of the time in the past two and a half years, it's really, really hard to do a successful business. Like I don't really like having investments because then you have to deal with, you have to pretend you like all these people who are in, in investing, which by the way, I've had great investors that I love. But every now and then, it's just a real problem. I, I hate I hate investing money unless I really have a product that's ready and I'm confident in and I have great partners. That's, you know, so so it's much better to bootstrap than raising money as, as long as you can. The other thing is, is that don't be so eager to, to, to give up everything else and start a business. You know, you don't know until you, until you have revenues and, and you're excited and a product's finished, you don't know if the business is going to work. Nobody knows if the business is going to work. So my first business that I ever started, I kept my full-time job for 18 months before I started a business because uh, I didn't want to take the risk. I didn't know. I was scared. And you know what? Who cares? Don't, better to stay in the game than to risk everything. And believe me, I've taken risks so many times. I would say it's only in the past 10 years that I realize how much more important it is to, to take risk into account. So what's another uh, thing that is critical? Mistakes that I've made for entrepreneurship. Uh, certainly sins of omission. So I mentioned how uh, I used to make this software in my first business that maybe could have been a business, but then I just didn't. But every year there's been ideas that I've been excited about that I just didn't really, that I really liked the idea. And then I would just not really follow through or I would not have enough confidence on it, or I just would not follow through with the idea. Like, I don't know, even now I have tons of ideas, but uh, you know, or I'll, I'll, I'll do an example from a long time ago. So one time 
I was working on my website called Stock Picker. It was like this financial social media site. And I decided, oh, you know what would be cool is if I build a way for people to ask any questions and other people could answer those questions. It was like a Q&A site. And all I did was is I created that in my one little website about finance. But I could have used that technology for any topic, not just financial stuff. So I should have created separately a whole Q&A type of website instead of just bolted onto my financial website that I made. And now you have sites like Quora, which are Q&A sites. There's really not that much. It's not rocket science. It's not uh, something hard to make. It was basically the same functionality as I made back in 2006, but I, I didn't make it. I just used it as a little bolt on to my site that I always already was making. And Quora is, is worth billions of dollars right now. So that's like an example of a sin of omission. You should always think of for any idea, what's the broadest use for an idea and always think as generic as possible. So yes, I had this Q and a site that I should have used, uh, but along with other things. And instead it was the only thing I used it for and let other people make a billion dollar company, whatever. Uh, the other thing is I would say, and this is part of the risk thing, but I would often not do a due diligence, not do the research needed to make a successful business. For instance, I had an idea where, uh, and this is still an idea, I think that would be good, but right now you don't need to wear a, a suit. You don't need to wear ties or button down shirts or really uncomfortable slacks or whatever. I've worn nothing but pajamas for the past four months because it's the comfortable clothes ever. Because by definition, you could fall asleep in, in, in your, with pajamas, wearing pajamas. So my idea is take pajamas, have more creative designs so you can wear them, you know, outside and maybe also throw in the fact that everyone's worried about coronavirus and use fabrics that are copper infused. So less chances of getting sick or infection from a virus or whatever. So this is an idea that I think could be a different, uh, an interesting idea, but I will tell you, I probably will not, you know, execution on this because I, I'm not willing to put in the uh, research in order to create this as a, uh, a fun or interesting or profitable business. And also that's because I think I'm trying too many things right now. Sometimes you have to limit all the things that, you know, you want to do. But I will also say that always the best idea is doing the things you love doing. So for instance, I have an idea right now, which like I mentioned earlier, which is a great solution that I need in the podcast experience. And I have expertise in podcasts. So I'm working on that as well as doing things I like, like working on articles or books or podcasting or whatever. And that takes a lot of time. So I don't have time to create too many businesses. So you have to make sure you don't bite off more than you can afford to spend as well. So I think that's most of the mistakes that I've made. I would say, again, the most important thing is risk. Getting rid of risk is the most important thing in anything is the most important thing in, st in starting a business. The next thing is 
making sure you create something that's scalable. After you figure out what it is you're doing, after you figure out how to provide value, then it's important to create a product instead of a service so that their business can survive no matter if you're there or not. And then uh, don't, you know, a lot of people say, oh, ideas are a dime a dozen, execution is everything. That is total bullshit. Yes, there's lots of ideas out there, but I see so many people don't understand any, like execution, execution ideas are a subset of ideas. So I've seen a lot of people with good ideas, but they don't know how to execute. They said, oh, well, I need to hire these programmers or I need to raise this money and then I could build my idea. Figure out whatever it takes to provide your service before you raise any money. And then that, that way you could test out the idea without you know, wasting money. You could, uh, you could test out your idea before you, you know, it takes months to execute on building an idea. So figure out ways to experiment and validate an idea and even get customers before you even spend a dime so that you could take as little risk as possible and that you could get your business up and running before you even uh, raise money. So there's always a way to execute super easily and super cheaply. Like a great example is Richard Branson. He had an idea, oh, I could make uh, an airline. He didn't uh, raise money and raise billions of dollars and then buy a bunch of fleet of, of airlines. He just borrowed a, an airplane from Boeing. He used persuasion to show the people at Boeing that, hey, if you, you lend me this airplane, then finally there'll be competition for British Airways. So it's good for you to rent, lend me this airplane. And then he convinced Heathrow to give him a uh, runway and boom, he was able to execute on his idea without raising billions of dollars, which is what it would cost. So that's in incredibly important. So again, keep in touch with your customers, the hundred day rule, try to avoid uh, bootstrapping Try to model risk. Getting rid of risk is the most important thing. Try to create value outside of yourself. Try to diversify all your sources of revenues. Try validating your idea. If you have something that you're passionate about, at least keep track of the idea so that maybe you could, the idea is bigger than you think and you could try uh, creating it. Make sure you have passion for what you want or else it's just not fun and you probably won't make money anyway. I I remember one business I started, I had a huge passion for it and I saw other people who were competing with me, but I didn't care because I knew I was going to create something that I wanted and that they were just doing this idea because they were like, it was like a business school project. So I knew I was going to understand everything more than the competition would. So I don't know if this all helps or not. The critical thing is even when you're great at coming up with ideas, even when you're great at execution, always remember that mistakes are much easier to happen than execution or the ideas. And that is the way most people fail is that they make too many mistakes when they are becoming entrepreneurs. And, and hopefully by describing some of the mistakes I've had, hopefully it'll help someone who's listening to that. And if you have any questions about the type of mistakes someone makes as an entrepreneur, then you can ask me questions at 
0908607. Feel free to text me and I will answer. By the way, I just want to mention this entire podcast, I've had an enormous migraine. I can't even see right in front of me. So if I sounded incoherent at different points, no problem. That's the reason. Or maybe I'm just having early onset Alzheimer's, which is possible as well. But good luck. Send me questions and I hope you enjoy this. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 